Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Love Yourself Fiercely. This week, we have the beautiful and talented Emily Wilcox, who's here to share all about her journey from six figures to a seven-figure business. I believe she has more than one seven-figure business, so I can't wait for her to share her insight on her self-love journey and her business journey. So welcome, Emily. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um. Can you, where do you want to start? Do you want to start from a business perspective? Do you want to start from a mindset perspective? Usually we jump right into like, when did you know self-love needed to be prevalent in your life? But that might be, that might vary in your journey, given that you are where you are and and we all start somewhere. So I kind of want to let you lead as to what feels right to share at this point. Yeah. So just to give like a little backstory, I always was doing the inner work or kind of the spiritual stuff um, in parallel to growing a career and ultimately, you know, becoming an entrepreneur. And so, you know, I thought that I was integrating um, as best I could, but looking back on it, I, I really see that like the two are kind of compartmentalized and in parallel. So, you know, I started meditating at age 16 and, you know, was really into all of that. I went to India for four weeks and everything. Um, But the way that I was operating in corporate America and then in entrepreneurship was from very masculine energy. Um, I, I had this relationship with my soul, but I actually like didn't really know how to deal with my human. Um, And so, you know, I was, I think as many of us are subconsciously like operating from a lot of like past programming and a lot of, um, inner child drama that just was continuing to perpetuate, you know, into adulthood. And so I was able to build these six and kind of low seven figure businesses, um, really in masculine energy. And alongside of that, I was working with coaches and that kind of thing, because I did recognize that at a point it was my mindset that was keeping me from my goals And it was very financially focused, but that was for me, the entry point into this deeper integration of the inner work and the spiritual work and the inner child work and blending that all of together, um, to help my businesses as well. And so, um, all of that really culminated in, in this past year to, um, me realizing that, you know, while I am so thankful for the businesses that I've built and, you know, the $140,000 a month cash that just flows in every Mm -hmm. month, um, I, I was really feeling called to step into coaching and to really help other women entrepreneurs to, you know, really take a stand for feminine energy wealth and realize that they can have everything. It doesn't have to be hustle and grind and sacrifice your family and sacrifice your own personal well-being and your health in order to achieve your financial goals and then get to take a breath and relax. We can do it all together. And so that's that's kind of like the quick synopsis of how I've gotten to where I am now, which is coaching women entrepreneurs into feminine energy wealth. Which I am so grateful that you brought up the masculine energy that is behind not only, I think 
you know, here on Love Yourself Fiercely, we talk about how we operate predominantly in, in masculine energy in many of our roles. And so I love that you brought it up specifically so we can dive in a little bit deeper and, and just, you know, honor the fact that for so many women, we've been conditioned this way. We were never taught a different way. And so it's the relearning about our femininity that is so powerful um, and so prevalent as we really desire deeper connection, uh, more exponential wealth. Um, as we step into that, you know, next desired level of who we are, you know, and I love that you brought it up specifically for entrepreneurship, because I think it is so important. It's, it's been such a huge shift in my own life and business in the last nine months, as I really dove deep into my femininity and my feminine energy and how I can create everything I desire and still be incredibly successful. It's been wild. So talk to me a little bit about when you started to recognize that there was another way in your feminine energy. Yeah. So I went to, um, a women in business conference about two years ago. And one of the speakers, uh, you, there were some breakout rooms that you got to choose from. And one was about like manifestation. And so that's what I chose. And the woman who was giving the talk there was kind of an intuitive coach. And she offered people like a free 20 minute session or whatever, like after the conference. And <clears throat> I got on the phone with her and, you know, it, it was almost more like a psychic reading in the sense that she was really just reading my aura and my energy. And, you know, she said to me, well, let me back up for a second. I had, I had come to the conclusion that I was making money hard and that it was actually me, or at least a part of the reason that my business wasn't growing as fast as I wanted at the time it was at like, I think 40 K a month. Um, and I saw people around me, you know, just having an easier time of it. <laughs> and I realized like, okay, something's going on here because I can recognize that there's a part of me that really wants wealth. And then there's a part of me that's afraid to have it. And so that was kind of my context for booking this like introductory call with her was like wanting to manifest more money. Mm -hmm. And when she started talking to me, she was like, you know, I, I really get the feeling that you're, that there's an imbalance in that you're imbalanced in your masculine energy and that you really deeply desire to let go and let go of control, but you don't know how to do it. And I just started bawling. Mm, I just got chills. Yeah. 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 And I just thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I, right. I need to work with this woman because <laughs> she can see something in me that is resonating that I haven't been able to see for myself. Mm-hmm. And so as you worked with her, was, was it like a, a self-exploration of learning to even understand your feminine energy? Because that's how I felt for me. I've operated in my masculine out of survival um, and, you know, out of trauma and out of many things in every area of my life for as long as I can remember having to take care of myself. And, um, when I learned about feminine and masculine energy, holy shit, I felt the most unsafe in my feminine. 
I felt so unsafe there because it was so unfamiliar. So I'm curious to know how that self-exploration into your feminine energy really played out for you. Yeah. And it definitely has been a journey because with, yeah, so it, it definitely was a journey. So the coach that I mentioned that I worked with two years ago, it, you know, it was kind of funny. Like it's the most, it was like the most divine bait and switch, honestly, in my mind, because here I was like, okay, cool. She's going to help me manifest more money. And it was like, the deepest dive into inner child wounds Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've ever experienced. And it was like, we would do one, one hour session a week. And my husband always knew when I had them because like I'd grab the Kleenex box and then he'd see me later with just this mountain of Kleenex (laughs) next to me because it just, there was all kinds of stuff that came up and, and I had a pretty vanilla childhood. And so Mm -hmm. it's not, um, you know, anybody who's listening to this that feels like, oh, like I don't have inner child stuff. I'm here to tell you, like we all do (laughs) because, and particularly now, like I'm the mom of a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And with my six-year-old, I can see so clearly, like, you know, there's just big feelings and the way that she interprets the world is like attaching a lot of meaning to her. Mm right? Mm-hmm. Like that she did something wrong or that we don't love her anymore, things like that. And it's like all of us were that six-year-old. And so it doesn't matter if your life is pretty amazing, which my daughter's is. Yeah, It's just part of this human experience. And so, um, yeah, like going through that inner child healing, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of overt talk about masculine and feminine energy. It was more like healing my relationship through the ma- to the masculine through healing my inner child's relationship to my father. Mm. And then same thing with my mother. And we worked together for 12 weeks. And I would say even just like three weeks in, I noticed like so many changes in my life. Like the way that I was showing up in my marriage, the way that I was showing up as a mother, like everything changed. And I was just feeling so much lighter. I was recognizing the places where I thought I was operating in free will. And I was actually just playing out these old tired patterns from Mm -hmm. my childhood and from like my parents, you know? And so that was really crucially important in my opinion. Um, for myself. And I, and I think for other people too, because again, like it's very difficult for us to consciously shift into feminine energy or really have a lot of agency in our lives. If we have an unhealed inner child that's running the show essentially. Um, and so, yeah, like after doing that work, I joined a year long mastermind that was just for women entrepreneurs. It was a pretty intimate group. And, um, we didn't talk about this in the group, but looking back on it, I was able to like heal the sisterhood wound Mm. and really feel what it was like to be in community and in deep, intimate relationships with other women and be held and supported. And 
for women, it's very, very difficult, perhaps impossible for us to truly be in healed divine feminine energy going it alone. Right. That's not, that is not the way that we were designed to do this. And so we need to feel that we have this community, that we have this deep like safety net of other women who are cheering us on and who deeply care about us and who will catch us if we're falling mm. yeah. so that we can be in the feminine because the feminine is all about trust and surrender and community and sisterhood, really. Absolutely. And again, I love that we just went here because I think it's so important. We talk in my world about sisterhood wounds all the time too. And every time I do it, someone is so friggin' triggered. It's not even funny. They get so triggered by even the conversation, but it's so important. You just nailed it on the head there. We're women trying to build businesses. We're women trying to be seen in our exponential growth and our, in our personal journeys. And more often than not, we revert to look to our partners to do that, but they operate in masculine energy. We need to be in a container. We need to be safely held by other women who understand what it means to be a woman in her, on her journey. And, um, the sisterhood wound runs so deep that until you allow yourself to be triggered in your growth around other women, you will always be afraid to be held by them. Yeah but it's a game changer. It's huge. Absolutely. It really is. I mean, it's like the, the thing about feminine energy, and I think you mentioned it at the beginning, and I really look at it as like a reclamation or a remembrance because it, it is part of our innate essence as is masculine energy, mm-hmm. but because we've got the masculine nailed, we it's, it's the remembrance of the feminine qualities. And those have been conditioned and programmed out of us, out of fear and mistrust and, you know, living in a patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, my business mentors used to all be men. Mm. And so it was a very masculine way of being. It was so strategic. It was so structured. It was like, set your six month goal and then break it down into quarterly goals and then take your quarterly goal and break it down into monthly goals. And then those are your, you know, guideposts for what you're going to do every week. And it's like, if we're not around women in business and we don't have examples of what it looks like to actually be in your feelings yeah, and have that be okay. Not like, oh, you're being emotional, but like, oh, this is your superpower. Mm-hmm. You're checking in and you're, you're testing out how it would feel in your body to make this decision. And then you're trusting that yes or no to move forward. You're operating your business off of intuition, which is a conversation with your higher self, right? Who knows what is there for your highest good. It's just completely different. And what, what you were saying about, you know, being in your feminine energy felt so scary. It is scary because it's a trusting and a surrendering of before, at least we made the map. So we felt like, okay, well, I know I, 
I think I know what I'm supposed to do. And it felt really good because we, we had this bigger picture and the path of femininity is like the breadcrumb trail. Like you can only see one move in front of you, mm-hmm. one step in front of you. And oftentimes that step seems really counterintuitive to the goal that you want to be moving toward. And so it's like every time it's an opportunity, are you going to trust? Do you trust? Do you trust how it feels in your body? Do you trust your higher self? Do you trust that you can just take one step at a time and you can be held Mm -hmm. by co-creative spirit who's doing this with you? That spirit can be in the masculine and you can be in the feminine and just trust that. And that's like the scariest thing ever because you're like, I don't know if I want to take this step. It seems really counterintuitive. I don't understand how this works. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me too, it was, it, there was such a, you know, I had such a, a, a masculine wound, a lot of, in my inner child, there was a lot of masculine wound. And I was also raised in a home where it was very common knowledge that men are not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. And so I, it wasn't, it truly genuinely in my body was unsafe to be vulnerable. Yeah. And so that, that, you know, reclamation. So you, the way I like to explain it for people who are like, okay, we're talking about inner child healing, father wound healing, mother wound healing, sister wound healing. It's all a lot is that the healing of the inner child, the reconnection with the inner child is the reconnection with your essence. Yeah. Which in turn is connection with your feminine energy. We are all as little girls operating predominantly off of our intuition and when we're little, little, and that is feminine energy. We're, we're in full surrender to our essence. And so healing of the inner child is really coming home to your feminine. And it's like the most life-changing experience. And for me, I had to do a lot of work and still, even now, if I'm, you know, if I find myself in a season of challenge, uh, um, my husband will be like, Whoa, Whoa, because we've healed together. He's watched me heal. And so he can very much see like, you're highly in control right now. Like what is going on? And it now feels safe to be held by him in those moments. But at the beginning, yeah, mm -mm, mm -mm, I didn't even tell him that I was like, (laughs) that I knew anything about energy or I was doing any inner child healing because I was scared Mm. of his reaction. And he's my partner. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such an interesting thing because it can all be very overwhelming. There's a lot of, you, you know, when we, when we think back and you said you had a a very vanilla childhood, uh, I had a very colorful childhood. And so to go back there sometimes can, for people who've, who've had a really difficult time, it's really difficult to relive that and find forgiveness, um, and heal and equally as difficult if you had a vanilla childhood, because you're like, there's nothing there, right? It's that belief system that it's all good. So that healing piece is so pivotal to trust and surrender, which it translates even out of business. And that's, I think what I was getting to is that like forgiveness and healing allowed me to feel safe with my husband and allowed me to be vulnerable 
in my business and with the people I loved probably for the first time in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, if I were listening to the conversation we're having like three years ago, I honestly probably would have been like rolling my eyes. Mm -hmm. And so I get it. And I think, you know, when I was in the midst of doing the inner child work, I was sharing things with my husband and he kept saying like, I'm so happy for you and I can see the changes and, and I think this is really great and don't ever ask me to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and so there is a part of us that's so afraid yeah. of going back to those painful childhood experiences because they, we think that they're going to bury us because they did bury us as kids. Yeah. And as we we were kids. Right. And then we like did everything possible to avoid that for the remainder of our life, surely out of survival, I'll become an adult. And then that doesn't have to happen to me anymore. Yes. And, and so there's this fear that all it's going to be doing is stirring up all of these emotions. And then, and then what? Mm -hmm. And what we don't realize is we've been carrying it all around like we're a six-year-old, like we're a five-year-old, like we're an eight-year-old. And to once and for all, give those feelings an opportunity to come forward now that we are functioning adults and to be able to feel it all and to look at it with a new awareness and to reparent ourselves because at the time it was typically with the most painful experiences, it felt like we were being abandoned or love was being withheld from someone very important to us, typically a mother or a father. Mm-hmm. And to do this healing, we actually don't need anything from our mother or father. We don't need them to be different than who they are. We don't need them to recognize where they went wrong. We don't even need them to acknowledge how it made us feel. All of those things are nice if that can happen, but we get to be our own parent. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a 37 year old woman. I've got me. That's right. I've got me. And I'm not going to abandon me and I'm not going to withhold love from me. So it's actually really safe for my inner child to kick and scream and cry and feel all of her big feelings because now she has a parent in me that says, it's okay, girl. I get it. I get it. I got you. We're good. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's so powerful. It's in my signature program, Love Yourself Fiercely, we do an inner child deep dive. And I just wrapped up my last round a few weeks ago. And every single participant was like, you just changed everything for me. Yeah. It's the awareness and the understanding and the release of anger towards the mother, father, person who, who hurts you. you know, we act like we've protected ourselves from it all of our lives, but all we did was trap that, those feelings inside of us and operate from a fear-based subconscious programming to avoid that ever happening again. But we also 
kept ourselves so safe that we didn't put ourselves in positions to evolve yeah. because it was unsafe. Because what if I'm not seen, I'm not held, I'm not heard, I'm not validated, I'm not loved. And when we allow ourselves to heal and reconnect with the inner child and hold space for her feelings and allow the adult version of me to love the crap out of the baby version of her and allow the baby version of her to bring joy and play back into my adult life. Whoa, life changing, life changing. And so let's, let's go to the, to the parenting side of this, to the mother side of this, after you, you did the inner child healing, did you find yourself showing up for your children differently, particularly your daughter? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Me yeah. too. Yeah. My daughter's 10 and, um, also has really big feelings and she's a manifesting generator with an emotional authority, which is very different. I'm a sacral yeah, same. authority. My daughter, same. Yeah. And she's a Gemini and she has two very distinct twin personalities. And because of that, she struggles with anxiety. She struggles to feel understood. And when I started my journey, it was really to protect her from the pain that I experienced as a child, as a young adult. And thankfully, (laughs) I was able to really evolve in my healing and my self-awareness and my self-understanding and my self-leadership. By the time now we're in the, she just turned 10. We're at that pivotal point now where I get to empower her to see herself in her greatness. And before the outside world can really mold her belief of herself. And as a mother, this chokes me up every time and every time, what a gift for our girls. And for the next generation to not ever have to be in a position where they question whether or not they're enough, because we get to hold space for all the big feelings and honor the feelings and make the feelings safe and give them a safe place to be seen in their feminine. And by the time they're old enough to allow partners to mold that quote unquote, we've given them the strength to see their greatness. Yeah. And for that, every tear I ever shed was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. I completely agree. Like when we go through this healing journey, it's like it touches every aspect of life and makes it exponentially better. Mm -hmm. And it's like it would be worth doing alone just for the one aspect. Mm -hmm. But we get it all. It's like... Our relationship with our children is different. Our relationship with our spouses is different. The way that we're showing up in our business is different. The way we feel about ourselves is different. Mm-hmm. It's like it all gets to change for the better. And, and it's actually not that difficult. Like, yes, there are a lot of tears mm-hmm. for sure. There's a lot of emotional release. But I think sometimes... And, and even when I was going through it, there were times when like, when you really realize and see the ways that you're perpetuating old patterns, it's like, it feels so overwhelming mm-hmm. because there's this feeling of like, okay, so this pattern was developed in childhood. And so now I've been perpetuating that for, you know, 20 some odd years, 30 years. Well, crap. <laughs> 
Right. You know, it's like, it's going to take like 30 years to undo this. Yeah. (laughs) And what was remarkable to me was how, how long I had been holding onto it and perpetuating it and how easily it was released. Mm -hmm. Well, because you were aware of it now. Yeah. Right. And that's the piece that's so important in the healing journey is we operate 95% in our subconscious programming. And until we're willing to look in a mirror and really get to know who we are and really get to understand why we show up the way that we do in our life and in our business, we don't even recognize our patterns. It's so easy to just, well, that's just who I am. But is it? Is it really who you truly are or is it who you were conditioned to be? Is it who you're protecting yourself from stepping into? And that's the beauty of the work because when you can see it clearly, you can also see clearly whether or not it supports who you desire to be and where you desire to go. And if the answer is no, you're like, okay, well, the next time that feeling comes up in my body, I'm going to choose differently. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's like our coach talks about, you know, do you even truly know who you are if you're not wealthy? Mm -hmm. Right. Because Mm -hmm. how do I know if I like caviar, if I've never been able to buy it? Yeah. How do I know if I like spending time on a yacht, if I've never chartered one? Right. And it's, it's a similar kind of deal where it's like, how do you truly know yourself if you're not operating from free will, mm-hmm. if you're actually operating from these old patterns and programs, and you're actually just playing out, you know, these old scenarios that match your limiting beliefs from childhood and from the way that your parents operated. Yeah, absolutely. What is one pattern? I would love to know what is one pattern that maybe surprised you that you were operating in a paradigm that you were operating in and, um, and like what shifted for you when, when that came to be? Yeah. So I mean, overall, the thing that was really surprising to me is how, how much fear I had. Like I never would have described myself as a fearful person or an anxious person. Like I always kind of came off as being like cool as a cucumber, like really good under pressure and all that kind of stuff. And, and yet underneath the surface, there really was a ton of fear and a ton of anxiety about a lot of different things. But, um, one of the examples that I use that came up was, so my husband, he loves looking at Zillow and Redfin and all of these real estate sites. I don't know if they're the same in Canada, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it, to him, it's like inspiring. Like it's almost like creating a vision board, you know? So he'll just look and see what's on the market. And, you know, he, he would send me listings of like a $3 million home and be like, look at this. Isn't it beautiful? Like we, you know, we should totally, we'll live in a house like this someday. Mm -hmm. And what that triggered in me was two of my core beliefs from childhood, which is there's not enough and I'm on my own. 
So the way that that played out in my mind was, okay, there's no way that we can afford a $3 million home. And I'm like doing all of the math in my head. And I'm like, my husband is so out of touch with reality and with money. Like, how does he think that this is going to happen? Like just looking at these houses on Zillow is not going to bring them in, Mm -hmm. but he's not trying to make the money to make it happen or put a plan in place. He's just looking at these houses. So that made me feel super unsafe. I was like, if, if I'm not in control of the money and the finances, like we, we wouldn't have a roof over our head because mm-hmm. he would just be like frivolously spending all of the money without any idea of <laughs> how this all works. So therefore I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. I need to be in charge. I have to be the ones to make sure that we're safe that we have money, that we have a roof over our head that we're taking care of and that we're not, uh, you know, making rash spending decisions. Mm -hmm. And never did I express any of that to my husband because that that was happening (laughs) unconsciously for me. So I would just say something like, yeah, that's cool, but I don't know how we're going to get that. Like just some kind of like little buzzkill comment. Yeah. And so here he's trying to share something with me as like, this feels really good. This feels expansive. This feels like something we can dream into. And what it triggered in me was like this deep primal fear around survival. Mm. Mm -hmm. So when that came up, and you could see it clearly. Number one, was it a relief to recognize that it was old programming? At first, it was not a relief. Mm. At first, it, it almost felt worse than not knowing because I had to reconcile, again, like these competing identities of I'm not a fearful person with like, holy smokes, do I feel this so deeply. Mm. And so I didn't, you know, I did not like having to face that feeling and then recognizing that it was really playing out a very similar pattern to my parents who or pretty have been pretty unhappily married for 70 years. <laughs> Wait, is that right? No, 50 years. Anyway, um, and money was the root of all arguments with them. And the way the pattern was, was like, my dad thought that my mom was irresponsible with money and he didn't trust her with it. And he was the one that was like making sure that we were safe. Mm-hmm. And so- I was doing the exact same thing in my marriage and we had separate bank accounts, just like my parents had separate bank accounts. And like, that felt so much safer to me because I felt like I needed to have my own money that I was in control of in case, you know, the ish hit the fan, then we would be okay. Yeah, that resonates. 
honestly, we'll probably talk about this and when we're on your podcast, which I can't wait for you to tell everybody about at the end, but money wounds for me was the hardest for me to like surrender and see clearly. Um, but that it was trust for me. I didn't trust money to catch me if I fell. I didn't trust that it would keep me safe. I didn't trust that it wouldn't be the root of all evil because same thing with my parents. It was like, that's always what I heard. Yeah. Was fighting over money. Yeah. And now how does that play out for you now? So much healing has happened. Um, I, you know, and I do believe that this stuff is like the journey of a lifetime. So, you know, just to remain in integrity, I'm not going to say like my money wounds never come up Mm -hmm. or what have you, but it's, you know, I, I had a conversation with my husband where I was like, okay, this is actually what's happening. And I gave him that exact example. And he was just like, whoa, (laughs) like that's not at all, you know, what I intended. Um, And so a lot of, a lot of the healing was just between myself and my inner child, but then also, you know, learning how to advocate for myself and my marriage and like what, what would feel good and what would feel safe and supportive. Um, And then just, you know, taking steps over time. So, you know, there came a point in time where it actually felt really good to combine our finances and have one bank account. And, you know, I love it. And I feel so supported by that now. Um, And there, there are just ways that I wasn't allowing Jeff to step into his masculine energy because I was in my masculine for sure. So he was in the little boy energy of like, well, mom's got this taken care of, mm-hmm. which is feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way it works yeah. in a partnership. And so it's like, we sit there being like, oh, if only my husband actually could step up and be a man and like take care of the money and blah, 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 like all of the stuff that we think in our heads, not realizing our own participation in that paradigm where it's like, well, what, where's the room for him to step into his masculine? Are you going to step into your feminine? Right. It's, this is my favorite example. I love this example. It's my favorite example. And every time I tell it, every woman on the Zoom call is just like chuckling, like, oh shit, she's, she's calling me out here. You know, it's like the toothpaste cap or the shoes at the door or that, that one thing that your husband does on repeat and it drives you nuts and it pisses you off and you haven't even stepped foot in the door and you know, those damn shoes are going to be there and you're going to be mad. And so you're already pissed. And every day, sure as shit, they're there and we're mad and resentful and feel unseen and unappreciated. And you don't value what I do around here until we realize, no, they don't because they're sitting back in their chair in receiving mode Yeah, in their feminine because you won't let them rise in their masculine. And it's the same with that money. Right. And when we get that, we're like, oh no, right. (laughs) We did that. Wait, you mean that I'm not 100% right. And he's not 100% wrong. Yeah. (laughs) What kind of crap is this? I know. Right. (laughs) But it's such a fun way to explain it in a lighthearted way for women who feel 
trapped in resentment in their relationships when truly the true resentment is that our wounded wounded feminine it, it is desired to be held. Yes. She's just like screaming to be held and seen and, and yes. receive love and receive support and receive from the people that she admires. In this particular case, we're talking about a partner or a spouse. And we're also not willing to sit down in our feminine and allow the people we want to hold us to rise. Yeah. And for me in particular, and, and sounds like for you too, like in this particular space around money, it was the hardest for me to allow myself to be held. Yeah. And allow myself to sit the hell down and let somebody take care of me and let, and trust that my partner would in fact rise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's like, I, the, a lot of the coaching that I do with women entrepreneurs is around money and money mindset and money wounding. Um, and it's a lot of what I talk about on my social media and on my podcast. And it's, it's interesting because I love money as an entry point to this because it's really about all of the inner work and very little about the money, Mm -hmm. but the money is so alluring. We all want more of it. And so we're like, we're willing to let that be the motivator, right? Like, okay, fine. Like this coach says I have to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. But if it'll, she's making a bunch of money, so she must be doing something right. And I want more money, so I'll do it. And, and it really is all about the inner work because we've made money mean something so many things that it doesn't actually mean. We've made it mean something about our worthiness. We've made it mean so much about our survival that it just triggers all of these different things. It triggers us to be in like our toxic masculine energy. It triggers us to feel like we're not worthy of the things that we want or we're unlovable or we'll be abandoned. Like all of these things that are showing up in other aspects of our lives as well. But often we're willing to sort of ignore or overlook it in other aspects of our lives. But the money piece is the piece that's painful enough Mm -hmm. that we're willing to take some action. You know, it's interesting because it's a safety thing. You know, like you said, it's, it's all, we put so much meaning in it and we believe as a society, because we've been conditioned to believe that without money, we are unsafe, that money is the ticket to have the life we desire. Money is the avenue to the things that we want. Money is a way for happiness. Money is a way for love. Money is a money is the way. And so we're all willing to do just about anything to make more money. If it's going to make us feel safe, it's, if it's going to make us feel joyful, if we believe it will bring us love, if we believe we'll be able to have the life we desire when in reality, you can have a shit ton of money. And if you're not happy now, you're not happy. Then you'll just keep striving for more. You'll keep standing in your masculine, your toxic masculine energy, trying to protect yourself from the wounds that already exist. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and people have always talked about that too, right? That like money doesn't buy happiness. And there was a part of me that completely bought into that. And there was a part of me that was like, yeah, yeah. Like, let me just find out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just let's, let's just see if a million dollars in the bank account won't <laughs> fix this. Um, and, and so, you know, it's interesting because maybe I just had to kind of prove it to myself, but I, a, a goal of mine for a long time was for one of my businesses to have a hundred K cash month. Mm-hmm. And so I was like holding that vision and I was holding the vision for it to happen in our Amazon sales agency. And I was doing the woo woo stuff and the strategy and everything in between. And it happened in our e-commerce business, like $183,000 cash month without any focus, like super passive income. And I was like happy about it, but also there was a part of me that really diminished the significance because it was it didn't match the way that I thought the money was going to come in. And I like, didn't have to work for it, which somehow made it less important. Yeah. So then more months go by. Then we finally hit our first hundred thousand dollar cash month in the agency. And I'll tell you what, like, it didn't feel that good. In fact, it felt kind of shitty. And it was like, it was my prove it to myself moment of, okay, like, and I was already doing the inner work. It wasn't, it wasn't that, but it was like, okay, like next level, go deeper, go deeper. Because you think you're going to feel a certain way when the money is here and it doesn't feel that way. And that, you know, I'm not, you know, my business isn't producing the same level as your businesses are, but I always, you know, for me, the longest, the, the first longest goal was 10 K and I would like fluctuate between five and nine K and then I dropped down to two K and then I'd be up again. And then, and I, I believed so strongly that like 10 K, if I could hit 10 K, that's a six figure business. And that would be enough to make me feel confident in my business, to make me feel happy, to support my family, to open up opportunity, to do all of these things. And the truth is, if you hit 10, you strive for 20. If you hit 20, you strive for 50. If you hit 50, you strive for 100. If you, it, when do we ever just be like, oh, okay. We don't, first of all, we don't because we're human beings in a human experience. And secondly, because the money isn't, it doesn't give you the emotional response you want. You get the immediate adrenaline high of like, holy shit, we did it. And then we still wipe a a child's ass before bed. You know, like it does. And it just triggers more fears too. Yeah. And, And I see this also like, you know, I'm in Melanie's hyper mind and the women in there, you know, there are women celebrating, um, you know, multiple hundred thousand dollar months or, you know, just big numbers. Mm-hmm. Right. And every time it's like, it triggers the same things. 
and it's hilarious because it's like the woman at 20K, the woman at 50K, the woman at 150K, like the trigger is exactly the same, which is how am I going to do this again? Yeah. What if I can't repeat this? If I celebrate this publicly, will it trigger people in my audience? Am I too big? Mm. This doesn't feel safe. What if I do celebrate it and I do say that I made this much and then I never make it again, then what will my audience think? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's all the same shit. Like are all these fears still come up at every level. So it's like, yeah, can we, can we reconcile that or can we really put in the work at 10K so that at 20K when it happens, it's not that you're not going to feel it at all, but it's sort of like, oh yeah, here's this again. That's Mm -hmm. cute. I get it. I get it, ego. Like you're scared. This doesn't feel safe. You don't want me to say it publicly because what if something bad happens? But I can navigate through that. I did it at 10K. I can do it at 20K and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, one of the beliefs, the old beliefs that I had about people with money, right? There's that people with money. I hate that. But people who were successful in their businesses, um, that it suddenly somehow made their lives, their real lives more desirable. And what I've come to realize in my business is that my life still is my life. So if I'm going to do all the work and make all the big investments, why wouldn't I be hyper-focused on healing myself to have the most wonderful marriage, to be the most connected to the people that I love? So then in turn, when my business is, is thriving, it's in celebration with the closest relationships in my life. And that's why I always use the diaper thing. It's like, yeah, I just got off this crazy, exciting launch. And then I took my toddler and I wiped his dirty bum. And I put a diaper on and I tucked him in just like I did when I was broke. Yeah. And just like I'll do when I'm rich and just, you know, it's like, because that is who, that is what matters at the end of it all. If you don't have that, if you build wealth and success on the foundation of that'll make me happy while your real life is crumbling, what's it all for? Yeah. And so for me, that was a deciding factor really early on. I also had a really great fear that um, I had to sacrifice my family in order to be successful. So I made some really clear boundaries in my, in my business before it was producing money. And I've been really, um, you know, I get triggered in that belief quite a bit still as I up level all the time, but I am very concrete about my business hours and my family time and Um, and I think it'll serve me well at this level and at every level beyond, because I know what matters in my life. I know what success means for me and it's not the bank account. That's a huge fun piece of it so that we can live a really fun life, but it's not what, what defines my life. Well, and the, the incredible magical thing about being in feminine energy is you get to have both. Mm -hmm. You get to have unreasonable amounts of wealth. You get to have more money flowing in and flowing in, in ways that you never expected. And you get to have the joy and the pleasure and the fun and the relationships and the connection and the family life 
it gets to be both. And we actually don't need to work as many hours in our business as we think we do. Um, that's masculine programming. That's like the old paradigm way of doing things. And the only reason we need to do that is if we haven't worked through the belief that we have to work for money mm. and that more effort equals more income. If you still have that belief in place, then if you try to work less in your business, you typically will see your bank account suffer because you'll be resistant to money still coming in when you're not working. Mm -hmm. So it won't. Mm -hmm. But when we can be in our feminine energy and say like, I can be receiving and I can receive this money and I can make decisions from the way it feels in my body. And I can trust the intuitive download that I got about this incredible new offer it's like we actually don't have to work that hard because we're not doing it alone. We're doing it in co-creation. And it's like so much of the stuff that we were doing to keep us busy really was just worthiness stuff. It was like, I feel more worthy when I'm more busy mm -hmm. and I need to look like I'm working hard so that people will know that I earned this money so that when I am rich, I won't be judged for it. So true. What a true, there's been no truer statement in the world because that's what it comes down to. Even for women who don't believe they have a fear of judgment, even for women who don't, be, who believe that they don't care what other people think it's bullshit. Unless you've really, really, really done the work. And even then you just proved it. There are women with multiple six figure months who are still afraid of judgment. Yeah. They're still and these are women that have done a ton of work and that really operate in feminine energy. Yeah. Like it's still going to happen. <laughs> oh, this is such a fun conversation, but I, I feel like I have a couple more questions as a woman who teaches money mindset in feminine energy or money expansion in feminine energy. What would you say would be like, what, what would you say to a woman who's just learning the principles of this, how to, how to believe she's worthy of receiving money just because in her feminine energy. Mm. Yeah. So I, I really do like getting down to whatever some of those core limiting beliefs are. Yeah. So what you are touching on is kind of a worthiness thing, right? And so we might work on some stuff that's completely seemingly unrelated to money, right? So doing some inner child healing around, around worthiness. Um, I love doing mirror work for self-love mm -hmm. as well. And, and I think I, I don't tend to be overly masculine in any of this stuff. I used to be. What I mean by that is sometimes when we decide like, oh, I'm going to work on my money mindset, we're like, I'm going to script so like every day I'm going to write 10 pages in my journal of what my future life is going to look like with money. And then I'm going to listen to my affirmations for 30 minutes. And it's all, that's like so masculine. That's saying like, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to blaze this trail. I'm going to be the most committed, dedicated, like hardworking money manifester there ever was. And it's like, it, that doesn't work. 
Right. That's the opposite. (laughs) Right. Like there is such a thing as too much. (laughs) And so with mirror work, it's like, it's so simple. Do you tend to look in a mirror when you brush your teeth? I do. I think most people do. Right. And it's like, can you just look in your eyes and say like, I love you. You're so great. You're worthy. Or if that even feels like a stretch, um, something that I've been doing lately is I just say wealthy, worthy, wealthy, worthy, wealthy, worthy. I love that. And that's kind of a little hack because sometimes when we say like, I am our subconscious mind, like rejects it. Mm. But if we just say the words, there's the vibrational energy attached to the word and there's no internal resistance around receiving it. So yeah, when you're brushing your teeth, can you just say nice things to yourself in the mirror? That'll bring in more money and feminine energy. Yep. Yep. It's so true. It's so true. Um, I love that. I'm also titling this episode wealthy and worthy. I wrote it down. I was like, that's so good. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to ask you the final question that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast what is a limiting belief that you've done a ton of work on that still still sometimes shows up for you? And how do you, what's a strategy you use now to like navigate out of that and back into your higher self? Yeah. So for me, it's, there's not enough. Like the lack and scarcity is, is something that really shows up in my life in so many places, that old limiting belief. And, um, while I've done a ton of work around it. And so it shows up less or it shows up more subtly, it does still show up. Mm -hmm. And so I'm aware of it more quickly. And I really believe in the Abraham Hicks principles of think a better feeling thought. And what, what often gets missed around thinking a better feeling thought is that it does not have to be related to the thing you're feeling shitty about. Mm. So if I'm feeling like there's not enough, whatever. It doesn't actually always show up as money for me, but let's say that it's money. It's like, I don't have to think a better feeling thought about money. Like that actually might be too big of a stretch in that moment again, or where like the subconscious rejects it. But it's like, can I think a better thought feeling thought about anything? Like, God, I love my family. I'm so freaking blessed. Like, are you kidding me? I have a husband I love so much. We have two beautiful, healthy children. Like how many women out there want to be mothers and are desperately trying and doing everything they can to have children. And it hasn't happened for them yet. And I have two kids like, oh my gosh. And they're perfect and they're healthy. Are you kidding me? That's a better feeling thought. That's a much better feeling thought. And we attract what we are a predominant vibratory match for. So when I can be in gratitude instead of in lack, it doesn't matter that I was thinking about the lack related to money and I'm thinking about the gratitude related to my family. It's the vibratory frequency that we're emitting is what we become a match for and what comes back to us. So it's like whatever, whatever the crappy thoughts are that, that you feel and the ones that are like the hardest to clear, it's like, go to something that it's easy to feel really good about that. Just change the subject in your mind to something that feels really good. 
That's amazing. And what a good, what, what a nice, different perspective than most people would say, right? Some people would argue that's avoidance of the negative thought pattern, but maybe I disagree with that because you're right. Sometimes it does. You can't pick a next best feeling thought that is going to be believable to you. Cause that's how I teach it. If it's not believable, it doesn't work. Right. So if you can't find truth in your next best believable thought or next best feeling thought rather then change the subject yeah. until you're ready to face it until you're ready to go deeper. I love that. That's a really great, I, that's a really great tip for, especially for um, the audience that listens to this podcast. A lot of them are really new in entrepreneurship. A lot of them are, um, you know, so sweet and just getting started. Yeah. And so sometimes I think they feel super overwhelmed by the self-development journey and the, the, you know, the self-love journey. Um, so I always, nothing excites me more than when crazy, amazing guests come on and like give a different perspective like that. So thank you for that. I feel like it'll be really well appreciated. I appreciate oh, you being so glad. here today. This is, this was a really great conversation and I know my people are going to want to follow you and be more in your world. So let them know where they can get more of you and what you have to offer. And if anything exciting is coming out in the next quarter, maybe that they can Mm. learn more about. Yeah. Thanks for that invitation. I would love to stay connected with anyone who's listening and resonates with this. So Um, I'm pretty active on social media. So if you're a Facebook person, you can find me. It's just Emily June Wilcox. Um, I'm on Instagram and my handle is M makes money. And I do have a website. If you're a website person, emilywilcox.com. So yeah, what's going on in my world? I do run group programs occasionally. So I've got a program going on like right now called Fempire. And that's really about the making the shift from six to seven figures and stepping more into feminine energy leadership. Um, But I love doing one-on-one coaching. And I also have an intimate women entrepreneur mastermind called The Rise, because as we talked about earlier, I so deeply believe in putting yourself in spaces to heal the sisterhood wound so that you can step more into your divine feminine. So those are the ways to work with me, come hang out with me. And I also have the podcast, which is the M makes money show. And that just launched two weeks ago. So I would love for any, any of you all listening to come check that out as well. And I will make sure that I link all of those things in the show notes. So people can just click and head over into your world. Emily, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kelly. It was a blast. Thank you. And to my listeners, as always, I hope you love yourself fiercely and fully today and every day. See you on the next one.